Welcome to this episode of The Rise After the Fall. We're so excited that today we have our guest, Pastor Kendall Bridges. He just spoke at our church here, Life Church Green Bay. Today, it was amazing. It it was so good. We, Pastor Kendall has kind of been, I'll fanboy a little bit. He's been one of my heroes for 20 years. I was an evangelist years and years ago, and I really was ready to give up because I wasn't getting that many bookings. And he brought me to his church in Houston, the worship center. And it was the first big church that I ever preached at. And it was a tide turner for me. And so both professionally and personally, I'm excited to have you here and for our friends to hear your story. So we're going to jump in to, I mean, people can go and watch the actual sermon on YouTube or on our, you know, on our website. Uh, but we want you to jump in with, it was great. You had risen yep. and then there was a fall. Yes. And so, you know, you started at the top, the top of where you'd ever been. So will you tell us what happened? All right. Well, first of all, thanks for letting me be here on the podcast and to be able to speak in your services this morning. It was amazing. Life Church is awesome. Thanks. It was so much fun. Your team is is amazing. Uh, so yeah, the kind of the, Story in a nutshell is, you know, my wife and I, we planted a church a long time ago uh, in Houston, and that's the church that you were speaking of that you came and spoke to and killed it and was uh, an all a favorite of our house. Uh, we had great success, and God blessed what we were doing. Uh, but I let that go to my head, and I kind of felt like it was all because of me. I became very arrogant, very prideful, selfish, self-centered, even angry, uh, yeah, just even angry, and and separated from my wife, not not physically, but just I was focused completely on ministry. I was interested in success in ministry while she was taking care of our children, and so we were on two different tracks. She's just taking care of the kids. I'm taking care of the church, and you know, you you tend to go where you're praised. I was mm. praised wow. at church. Uh, she was praised at home by our kids. So we just kind of went our different ways. Uh, and yeah, it, I, I let down my guard and I fell and I was uh, unfaithful to my wife and got caught up in a relationship that I had no business being a part of. And it, it destroyed for all practical purposes my marriage and my ministry. And I resigned from my church and asked for forgiveness uh, started over, started on this process of trying to put things back together. And it was hard. It was difficult. It was, it was the most dark days of my life, but, but God was faithful, you know, and he started healing and putting us back together. And, uh, and then there's the rest of the story. I don't know how much you want me well, to go into. Let, so but, let's stop at the, or pause, I should yeah. say at the fall. Okay. Uh, talk a little about you know, I think some people that listen to this, especially if they're a listener that isn't the pastor or leader, uh, they're the ones maybe on the receiving end of a fall mm-hmm. and they've been devastated by looking at their leader and seeing what happened or feeling the effects of it. You know, they could say, well, man, it looks like you're doing great now and we'll get into what God has done since. But, you know, did you really go through a process? So talk about when you hit the bottom some of the things you walk through, but also I think some of your stories about how Starla dealt with it was almost a, for you, it seems as a punishment 
yeah. in itself to get your your head on straight. You know, it was interesting. Uh, we were a church. We were part of the Assemblies of God. They have a they have a restoration program. But at that time, I had friends that were saying, "Hey, Kendall, just uh, you come go through our program. Well, I'll have you back in the pulpit in three months. I had another guy. I'll have you back in six months. Another guy. I have you in a year. Well, uh, the my wife wanted. <laughs> She wanted me to pay for it. <laughs> Let's be honest. Wow. In the end, good. Uh, right? she, yes, yes. But she also realized, and and I realized, hey, if I was going to be a part of this fellowship, then I got to be part of them in the good days and the bad days on the things that are easy and the things that are tough. So this was my fellowship. Why was I going to bail out now just because they had a rough process? In fact, my wife wanted to see me willing to submit and... uh so I did. I went through that. They had a two-year process where two years where you're out of ministry completely and then the one year where you can start to minister again. Uh, our, we went through the process. I, got, I completed it. Uh, we, were, uh, we were released to start doing ministry again, but Starla was still hurting. And our restoration process actually took five years. I say, yeah, we we were fast tracking on a two year process and finished in five because uh, it was it was hard for her because what happened was uh, I started working on. I felt free for the first time because even you know getting busted and uh, confessing your sin it, as humbling as it is and humiliating as it is, I was finally free, mm. and and that's hard for some people to understand. But now it's like I could start breathing again. I was out from underneath that load because sin always, it costs you more than you want to pay. It takes you longer or, you know, wait, anyway, you know, <laughs> takes you where you don't, I don't forget how it goes. It keeps you longer than you want to yeah, pay. Yeah, that, that whole is. thing, yeah. So uh, I was free, but Starla was just now dealing with the burden of my brokenness, my unfaithfulness. So her process took a little longer and uh, she she went into a season of unforgiveness and bitterness and anger. And she ended up becoming everything that she hated in me, the the anger and the self-centeredness and spiritual authority. And, and you know, this is something that's crazy. I, I'm a very positive person. Starla's kind of more what she'll call realistic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's Sean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm the positive, the half glass full. She'll say, well, it's probably empty. So we need a plan to get it filled again. (laughs) Uh, But what I didn't realize is that, yes, she has some of those tendencies and I do too. Each have their strengths and each have their weaknesses. But she also has a gift of discernment that I didn't have the ability to know the difference between discernment and just being a realistic or pessimistic person. And so I felt like my mission in life early on was to convert her to optimism. Wow. That was the first wrong mistake I made. Well, one of the first wrong mistakes I make in marriage, trying to convert her to optimism. I thought if I can just get her to start seeing this silver lining and the good things. So anytime she would be negative or anytime she was speaking discernment, I didn't know the difference Mm -hmm. and I would crush it. I would destroy it. And I thought if I can just get her to stop talking like that and thinking like that, then she'll be better. The only problem was I didn't realize that I was destroying the very gift that God put in my life to help me with my blind spots, wow. her discernment. That's so good. <laughs> and I was, I'm, I'm destroying the very thing that God was using to keep me from being so stupid. And uh, 
I just didn't recognize it early on because mm. finally, you know, we realized that we're opposite for a reason. We're actually a perfect match for a complete <laughs> team as opposites. Mm -hmm. But I was trying to get her to be like me. So yeah, she had a really rough time. And uh, it wasn't until she realized that she was hindering herself by her unforgiveness. And so she, uh, she was reading the story about the woman caught in the act of adultery. And she said, every time I read it before, I thought, where were those guys with their stones when Kendall was being a jerk? I wish they were stoning him. I wish, I wish I had a, and the fact is she was throwing stones at me left and right. I mean, she was just, she wouldn't wear her ring for five years. Wow. She wouldn't say, I love you back for five years. She wouldn't commit to stay in this relationship for five years. And uh, she was there when I woke up in the morning, I thought it was a good day. Uh, but she finally, she had a moment where she realized she was, she had been the one throwing the stones. And as fast as she could throw them, as often as she could throw them. And the Lord spoke to her and said, listen, if you want freedom, you're going to have to stop throwing stones at Kendall. And she realized her anger and unforgiveness was making her a bitter person. Mm -hmm. And so she had that turning point. And we finally got on the right track, the right healing track together. That's when things really started changing. And, you know, her discernment, I didn't know that story, but her discernment probably up until the end where God said, okay, now it's time to quit throwing stones. She was probably discerning that the longer we wait, the more full the process. We say a lot on this podcast, you have to fall completely. Yeah, and there fall are all the way. All the way. Uh, because, you know, there's currently, there's pastors, big, huge name pastors that things are coming out. But 10 years ago, there were things that were covered up. They didn't, they would have thought, well, that's kind of a fall. We had to, you know, deal with it in our marriage and our board had to, you know, deal with it. But when you're paying off a victim or a person and it isn't, you didn't full fall all the way, that is, that's a, actually a more dangerous place because you realize subconsciously or consciously, I get away with this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is the difference in why we want to talk about this, someone who, falls, but then rises after, because we're not talking about rearranging pastors. Like you said, three months, we'll get you back in. I mean, we're not wanting to do what we've seen even in the Catholic church, where it's a reassignment mm -hmm. of a priest. Yeah. And we're not talking, I mean, none of the pastors we're having on, even though we're having someone who's who has been in prison, another person who was in prison for murder, and God did something afterwards. We're not having anyone who committed a crime <laughs> you know, but that's the thing that people are skeptical about with leaders is I, you know, they know stories of being reassigned to a different congregation within a denomination. Mm -hmm. But you guys took two years and then it turned into five years to fall all the way. But I think you, you guys were so cautious to not repeat the mistakes that you'd been in. What you're talking about, Sonny, is that's a, that's a situation where people are looking at a situational problem rather, rather than a spiritual problem. Where when you really fall all the way, you recognize that the problem isn't the situation that you're in. It's the spirit that you're in. It's that you've become, like you said this morning, full of pride. You became full of yourself. And, and you even said it at the beginning of this podcast that you guys were on two different tracks. And I think a lot of people who are listening to this, even people who haven't experienced the fall, that's almost the 
the fallback for people is to just be on two different tracks when really where the Bible says that two are supposed to become one, that's, that's a danger zone when you have two different lives. And that became us. We were both in ministry, but we took our own lane. Mm -hmm. So it's not just if someone's at home or someone's at one job and the other, when you start to coexist and then a female says, seems like you and your wife don't really have a lot of time together. Yeah. I had that happen to me a couple months ago. And man, red flag, red flag, went and told Sean. Somebody said, how are, how are you and Sean doing? Because know, they know we've been going through a lot with our kids and the pandemic and kind of being all over the place to make life happen. They're like, it seems like you're just kind of crossing. And I, I was like, red flags. Mm -hmm. Because why are you talking about my marriage to me? when it's just you and I and you're of the opposite sex. So yeah, just your own lanes and then people see it and then they point it out and then they they jump at that. Well, and I love the fact that you went to multiple places to get restored rather than go to the place that said, we'll have you back in three months. That sounds great. And I think a pastor that does something like that, maybe they're just trying to help. Like, they're like, we know that this is your livelihood. We feel for you. And maybe it's just good intentions gone awry. But I love the fact that you were broken enough to go, not only am I not going to take the quick fix, but I'm going to go to different, you went to different states, yes. different churches, mm -hmm. and sought out the thing that was going to help your family the most. And your kids went through restoration with you. Yes. Well, we wanted to make sure that what we did, we did right and we didn't try to take the easy route. So, and some of it just was trial and error. You know, we went one to one state because we thought that's what was going to be right, but we weren't getting the healing that we needed. So I didn't, this was my family and this was my life. And so I thought it, well, there's got to be something better than this. So I called a pastor in Dallas that I knew had walked through restoration with other pastors, Pastor Jadon George, who became my hero. I said, can I come and bring my family to heal under you. And he said, come on. So we came up there and, you know, we found a, a safe place, life-giving place where we could be restored. And he just loved on us. And, but it, yeah, it took a, it took a village to, for us to find our healing. But, you know, sometimes you, you got to fall hard enough in order to have a bounce back. And uh, that's what, that's so we, good. We, we hit hard, but that's what allowed us to get a bounce back. So, and, and you said fall completely, you know, you, in order for there to be a healing, a real healing, you got to be, you got to come clean. You got to get open. You got to be transparent. You'll never find complete healing if you're still uh, hiding secrets. You know, it's interesting is, is uh, Sonny and I were both dismissed from the Assemblies of God when I fell. And uh, the thing that's fascinating to me is uh, I lost my credentials. I was mad about it in the beginning. They stripped my credentials, they put my name in their yearly publication and let everybody know that I wore the scarlet letter. And I was so mad at the assemblies for that in the beginning. And fast forward 10 years later, I had a district superintendent who approached me to see if we would come back in and take our credentials back and bring our church back in to the assemblies. And he said, well, did you steal or was it sexual? I said, yes. He looked at me, he was like, <laughs> Oh man, we only had you on the money. It's like we didn't even have you on the other stuff. And I was like, well, listen, if I'm going to come back in, I want y'all to know everything. Like, I don't want to have mm. partial healing. Like, I don't, I don't want to have to go back in and have corrective surgery done because the bone set wrong. I, let's just deal with the pain now. Yep. And if this is a problem, 
then let's just not enter. We can still be friends. We just don't need to be in a spiritual marriage. And so where you talk about it, that you took the fast track and it took you five years to do the two-year process, what's fascinating to me is when, you know, we just had an opportunity before we hit record to talk about some of the things that you saw from your perspective as what a couple like us who's, who's trying to help people through restoration, things that would be helpful to that. Mm-hmm. And so it, from your perspective, what what would be an effective restoration process? What are the the few pieces that are needed as a part of that? Because you told us three, mm-hmm. a yeah. pastor. Yeah, yeah you, need, you need a pastor. Somebody's going to love you because uh, you need somebody that will encourage you because it's, it's tough. But you also need a good counselor that can go deep into the wounds. Uh, the reasons why you made the decisions that you did. You know, sometimes it goes back to father wounds. Sometimes it goes back to church hurts. Sometimes it goes back to, you know, other issues or dysfunctions. You need to know why. Otherwise, you're going to repeat the same mistake again. So you got to have somebody who's qualified to help you figure out why. Starla and I, we, we had a good counselor that allowed us to go back and realize, you know, our core values were just wrong. I was... We, we never had good counseling before we got married. Uh, I, I, did, I wasn't able, as I mentioned earlier, wasn't able to see her discernment as for the positive that it was in my life. I saw it as negative, and so I destroyed it. I just need somebody to help me see that kind of stuff because now I can tell you, <laughs> if Starla says, uh, hey, watch out for that person, I watch out for that person, and she's always right. <laughs> She's always right, but my arrogance before wouldn't have listened to that. So you need a good counselor, a good pastor, and then you need a, a the the organization that will that has credibility, whether it's a, a local church or whether it's a district, you know, or some type of organization that has the credibility, uh, because people need to know that you went through a process, a credible process to be restored. I think it's important for people to see that. It's almost like when you get a stamp of approval, a seal of approval for some organization on your business or on your uh, on your church. That's just that's just good. You know, mm-hmm. it 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 lends to the credibility of your process. So, yeah, those I, are the, those. I th- love that. And what's great is you don't. And for our listeners, like we didn't tell Kendall, you know, all of the things that we've had in process for the collaborative that the Exchange Collaborative offers for a pastoral restoration program because it's been so many years in motion, but we weren't ready. You know, we didn't have all the the key components in place. And uh, in January, we filed for our nonprofit status for this organization Mm. that could be beyond the local church because you do exactly need a pastor in a local church but then a structured and an organization that can do that full stamp of approval. I don't think any of us want a surgeon who didn't go to an accredited yes. university and med school. So <laughs> let's have a real organization, not just, yeah, this pastor has a heart for it. And up until this year and a pandemic to kind of have time to sit on that and, and say, let's go for it. Uh, we just were pastors that had a heart. We've been through our own fall. Let's help people. Mm -hmm. And we had the counselor in place. We had the journey to wholeness program, which was called life skills that literally changed us from the root, from the core of it. We were just finding different ways to cheat the system of life because we didn't deal with the core thing of when Sean was a first grader and I was a five-year-old. And now we're married like a five-year-old and a first grader wondering why it's not working. There was, so we had journey to wholeness 
And then we had the heart and we were pastors. We had a local church and we're like, we got to just do this. Yep. Now there's places like the Assemblies of God. There's a program, there's a system. There's, there's a few other pastors who have done more than just come sit with me, although that works for some people. But we felt like there's a void enough that we know people personally who need help. And actually they want help now because their marriage is rocky, but nothing scandalous has happened where they need to resign or have, or be fired. Mm -hmm. They are just not okay. And we're like, we can help you too. And so that's the Exchange Collaborative is hosting that. So I love that Sean set you up for what are the three things and they're the three things. Well, good job, babe. Thanks. I, I think we even, got something. What I love the fact that you've been speaking language that we've mm -hmm. internally been speaking without putting it out there, like things about getting to the root. I remember I went through when when I first was dismissed from the assemblies, I was in the process of of the potential that I would be dismissed because South Texas gave me grace. They said, give a reimbursement, and then you've got to go through emerge. And if you go through merge and meet with your district superintendent on a regular basis, this will be our process. And I didn't walk out the process. I did go to a merge. And I met with a counselor there. And when I, I shared the story, he looked at me and he said, well, you don't have a money problem. That's the symptom. But you haven't found the source. Mm -hmm. And if you don't find the source, then it'll change from money to pornography to gambling to food to alcohol to whatever it's going to be. You're going to get rid of the symptom but you're going to have another symptom. And that proved true in our life. And I've been going through the process with the Wisconsin Assemblies of God. I don't even know that I want to be Assembly of God again. But I felt like God was like, you haven't closed that loop. And so walk through the process so that it is complete. Mm -hmm. And so I had to get a merge to send a letter. I had to get the South Texas District to send a letter that said that I'd made recompense. I had to have a handful of seasoned pastors who counseled me through it, send a letter. I mean, it was just, it was a lot of work. I have to rewrite the three tests. Mm -hmm. And and throughout that process, it's just brought this idea to me of why is it that we'll go part way on something that's so important? And so I, I don't want to live my life in the shadows. It's too easy to live my life in the shadows. And, and so the as I went through that process, I had to write a letter to the Wisconsin district that told the whole story. And when I told the, the story about the gentleman from Emerge, the big fall that the Assemblies of God didn't even know about about us was about in our relationship. And, and when I wrote that down, he, he basically he emailed me and he goes, wow, that's that's crazy. <laughs> I think he didn't know how to react, but this, this idea of when you process things fully, then you don't have anything to hide anymore. Like, yes. like you said, you wake up one day and you're free. And I think what sparked that is when you said that initially you, you wouldn't listen to her, your, your arrogance wouldn't let you listen when Starla would tell you you need to watch out for that person. And I wonder if after that, some guys, maybe not you, but for some guys, when their wife says, mm. don't look out for her, their insecurity doesn't let them listen to their wife's discernment. But I've often said that insecurity is pride in its ugliest form. Mm -hmm. And so because you don't, if you don't trust your wife's discernment enough because of your insecurity, it's just as bad as you're not trusting her discernment enough because of your pride. Yep. And and so I'm, I'm excited about this possibility 
of being partnered with guys like you. We had Lee McFarland a few weeks ago who are people who who did fall all the way. This is going to sound very fanboy, like I'm back to being the fanboy. But it's almost like, like I idolized Lee McFarland. Like when Lee was pastoring Radiant Church, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the biggest church in the Assemblies of God. I was, I idolized him. I didn't even know him and I idolized him. Mm-hmm. When I came to the worship center, I idolized you, but I idolized your success. I idolized your pseudo personality. I didn't even know you. I just knew what I saw on the stage in Houston. And what's interesting is now God is bringing these people, this is just hitting me. This is mm-hmm. this just in. God Spirit. is bringing back heroes into my life who are now heroic. Mm-hmm. who were not heroic in the beginning. They, they were just boisterous. And so now you've gone from someone who's, who's just been like this big public figure to being somebody who I could actually copy. Mm-hmm. And had I copied the pseudo person that I saw before, Which well, we kind of did. did. I, yeah. Thanks I, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and in the end, all I was wanting was what you, what you guys were getting publicly, mm-hmm. but in the end, I ended up getting what you were getting privately. Well, now I want what you got privately. And I would echo that Sean and I have talked about after having dinner with you last night and after your message, the humility that's on you is the real, the look in your eyes is the reality of true repentance and true restoration. And you saw it in Lee. Mm-hmm. You were like, this is it. Like you you don't even come across like you might have as big a church as we're gonna end this podcast. You're gonna say what happened next. You don't come across like you've had great success after a fall, that you haven't risen again. Lee doesn't look like he's had another shot, which he did. Because there is a, um, he said it, so I won't steal it from him. Leaders that walk with a limp are the best kind of leader. Mm-hmm. They've wrestled with God as Jacob did. And, and they lost, <laughs> they lost their flesh, their pride, who they were and God won. And I really trust leaders that walk with a limp. Now there are leaders who have fallen. They didn't wrestle it out with God. They're walking proud with a strut, Yeah. but they've got a lot of dead bodies in the, <laughs> behind the bus. Yeah. Hello, Mars Hill. So you, yeah. <laughs> so you had this, this yeah. beautiful meteoric rise. You had a dream when you were 16 years old yep. and- it's fascinating. I'm not going to steal your thunder and chain your dream, but you had this beautiful dream when you were 16 years old and it seemed like you saw it the first time mm-hmm. and maybe that was the dream. And and had you not had your fall, then maybe that would have been it. But then you had this fall that we've talked about. But then mm. uh, William McDowell has a song called We Fall Down. And it says, we fall down, but we get up. But a saint is just a sinner who fell down and got back up. And so you fell it yes. was terrible, and lots of people walked out on you. But you and Starla had the intestinal fortitude to go through this five-year process, get yourselves back up, and and now tell us to encourage us. All right. It doesn't end there. No, it doesn't. And it doesn't have to end there for anybody. Uh, God's a restorer. He's a redeemer. He's a miracle worker. He can do anything. And, yeah, we. Uh, I felt like I'd seen my dream become a reality there in, in Houston and, and thought, well, okay, this, uh, that dream was done and I, I blew it. I destroyed the dream. But in 2007, we, uh, we planted again. Our family decided together that we were going to plant this church. My son was my youth pastor. My other son was my worship pastor. My girls worked in children's ministry and administrative. And we just, Starla led worship together. We just, we all did it together. 
And we really thought we're just going to stay up here under the radar ministering to broken people because we were really open and honest and transparent about telling our story. We had found a freedom in doing that. Uh, it was just, it was liberating to not really care because I, here's the deal. I had to be more concerned about improving than impressing. Mm. And <laughs> say that again. I did. I just, I had to be more concerned about improving improving myself than impressing other people. And when I got past that and I realized in order to improve, I got to be open and honest and transparent. I can't live this lie. I get, I mean, the, our little season of brokenness for a, for a while, I kind of skipped over people. Hey, tell us your story. Ah, pastor in Houston. Now pastor in Dallas. You know, that was just a quick little hop, skip and a jump right over the ugly part. Mm. And I really felt slapped upside the head by God saying, no, you've got to be, open and tell the story, show your scars, uh, tell them what happened. And I thought, I don't want to do that. But I had to be more concerned about improving than in being, you know, than impressing. So we started over and man, God started blessing it. He just, it started growing. And the more we told the story, I've told you, I've given our book. We wrote the book that tells the, uh, tells the ugliest days of our life. Mm-hmm. People come in and say, I want to be a part of your church. And I say, here, you need to read this book <laughs> and then decide <laughs> because I want you to know what you're getting into. Yeah. And uh, I, didn't want to, I didn't want anybody to be surprised. So I've, I've been real open and honest. Last Easter, biggest Sunday of the year, I told my story, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, and I wanted people to know this is who I am. This is who we are. And it just keeps growing and it keeps growing. And all of a sudden I realize I'm sitting in the middle of the dream again, not even realizing it, but our church, you know, we've got over 2,500 people in our church, 11 different services, eight different languages, uh, eight different language services uh, from English, Spanish, Korean, Bulgarian, Guatemalan, Romani, Jewish, Messianic, uh, Bulgarian. And it's just, it's, I'm sitting in the middle of the dream again, wow. a dream that God gave me when I was a little kid that had never seen uh, a church bigger than 200 people. Wow. And the church is called Freedom. Church called Freedom. And freedom that, Church. It just hit me while you were talking. Is that why you named it that? Yeah, because we found freedom. We wow. found freedom. You made a, a, a statement to, to us last night while we were at dinner that, that there's been churches that have kind of wanted to become a part of what it was that you were doing. And you were talking about one of them in particular. And you said, if we're going to talk about this, you have to become a part of freedom. And now suddenly to me, that took on a different meaning. Yeah, It's like, we don't want your baggage. We don't want like, let's, let's all be vulnerable. Let's all be real. Let's, let's all live a life of healing. Not because we're not, we don't care about, your cares. We do care about your cares, but we don't want your part-time baggage. We want you to live your life in freedom. Yep. And what a beautiful mm-hmm. testament every week that people come and they go, I'm part of, I'm part of, even if they don't call it church, I'm a part of freedom. Mm. Yep. It's so cool. I, lo- I love asking people, hey, when did you find freedom? Oh, mm. man. It, it's, it's cool. Like, they look at me like, uh, you mean church or no? <laughs> this makes me want to change our name to no, Freedom. No, no, life is awesome. I love it. Yeah. Uh, we want to bring you and Starla in in the fall. And I know we're going to be putting that on the calendar. All right. Winter, we don't want to 
make you come in the middle of the winter. <laughs> but no, fall or winter, you're from Texas. But uh, you do a marriage conference now. Once a month, you're being brought into places plus mm-hmm. two big uh, retreats in Colorado. For pastors. Mm-hmm. Will you give everyone the website to check that out? Yep, bettermarriage365.com. Okay. Because your marriage can be better 365 days a year. And where can they get your book? At that website? You can get it at bettermarriage365.com or at Amazon. Okay. Uh, It's called Better Marriage Against All Odds. Okay. And then there's a supplement book after that called Never Settle for Good Enough because it can always be better. Mm. So That's so good. Yeah, we're going to have you back for that for sure so our people can can learn more about you. And of course, we have the Exchange Collaborative uh, that we have the restoration program under, which we just had you do a session mm-hmm. to speak to pastors who will be in the program. We have an upcoming retreat in Arizona in June for seven couples. We've already got a few that we've snagged the spots. So we're going to have an intensive, a pastoral intensive. It's not gonna be a quick fix. It's the start of something, but a big move forward. And it's called um, Pastoral Restoration Intensive. And it's hosted by Journey to Wholeness, which is what saved us and our marriage and our ministry. And Sean and I will be also there leading it. And so people can go to the exchangecollaborative.com about that. Yeah, so if you are listening to this and you're a leader or you know a leader who is in need, please go to Pastor Kendall's website, go to our website, if you don't go to either of our websites, you need to go to somebody mm-hmm. because you yeah. can't suffer alone. Hey, let me tell you guys how much I appreciate what you're doing to help pastors. Of course, we understand this having been through it. Somebody was there to throw us a lifeline. Somebody was there to encourage us. Somebody was there to believe in us when they probably didn't have to, but they did. And because of that, we found our footing again. We found our calling again. And I, I looked at the thousands of people out there today. And it's amazing. Those people's lives are being changed because you too have, you've done the hard thing. And so I just want to applaud you. I want to thank you, Sean and Sonny, for your heart, for the kingdom of God, your willingness to do the hard thing. uh, And you're seeing the fruit of of some right choices. And so I'm I'm honored to be a reconnected back in your life again and just doing ministry with you. Love you guys. Love Love you, you, man. Thank you. you. That is a testament and uh, the highest of compliments. And it proves that there is a rise after the fall. Hi, friends. It's Sunny again. And I just want to say, Sean and I appreciate your faithful listening. And we hear all the time that Many of you are sharing this. In fact, we've had a few people say, I tell everybody I know, specifically other pastors and leaders about this podcast. And so we may have shared in our early season two episode about the story of getting a retreat center that we're now going to call The Reserve, Uh, 20 acres, multiple houses, and the ability to house pastors and leaders, their families. We're going to basically say we're hosting the hurting, we're hosting the betrayed, we're restoring the betrayer. Uh, and so now we have a campus to do that on, a a 20-acre property to do that on, as well as we'll continue to bring people into Green Bay and we provide um, help in 
the finances for that and the housing for that at times as needed. Also, we'll continue to go to people. We've done that over the last couple of years, flown directly to couples in crisis. That's been an ongoing thing that Sean and I, Pastor Becky, Pastor Barry have done. But what I wanted to ask you is that um, because this retreat center is $1.8 million, which actually for 20 acres, a massive house, other housing, uh, it's really reasonable. We just happened to find it in a great location. And the person who's selling it to us has a ministry heart. He's on the board of the church that we interned at coming right out of Bible college. It's just crazy, the God story. But we need to get $600,000 as the down payment. Now he's going to spread that over the first year. So it's 54,000 a month. Then after that, the 1.2 million that we will finance with him, those payments will start and that's in the 70 some hundred dollars. So $7,000 a month plus utilities and expenses, but that's much more palpable than 54,000 a month. But for this first year, we're grateful that we didn't have to come up with 600,000 to even begin work on the property. We already own it. We're already doing construction. But what I would ask you is if you would consider, and you may say, it's me. I have, you know, $100,000 put away for our church that we are going to start construction on something. Or you may say, I have $1.8 million at the church I lead and we were breaking ground. But I feel, <laughs> this is the crazy thing. I've heard some crazy stories about pastors who after having the money or praying for the money and they get it for something God's having them do, God told them to give it away. But then God exceeded their expectation and they came back and had eightfold, ninefold. I know of a church in Texas, this just happened. Uh, They gave a million dollars they had raised to break ground on a new property. And someone had had been at this conference with them and they had a roof that had caved in and it was a million dollars to repair it. And God told him, give the million dollars. Well, he did. And within a few weeks, they had a company come to them and offer them money for the land and to give them land they owned. And they basically were given about $8 million from their million dollars they gave away. So I just know that when Sean and I even have given $1,200, which was our first big gift when we were first married at a conference and God told us give everything. And we had $1,201 in our bank account, which was a ton for us. It was like our savings. We gave it, we got home and we had a check in our mailbox for $1,250. Now we made $49 on that, but it increased our faith. We made a lot of return on our faith and that investment and knowing God will never ask us to give that he doesn't have a huge plan. So I take this time to say, you might be the one that says, we're going to give you 1.8. You'll never have to worry about money as you do this ministry. You might say, we're going to give you 600,000 for the down payment so that you don't have to stress for the first year at 54,000 a pop as you build it out. Or you might say, we're going to give monthly or we have something else in mind. Thank you for considering it. Thank you for stepping out in faith and thank you for being a faithful listener to this. We appreciate you.